Oh, I see the chat now. Okay, so you were showing him what Leon looks like? Exactly. What would you, I, I don't know if that's even a fair question. I don't, I don't know how I would answer. I don't know how I would answer this, but uh, what would you compare Leon to as far as like another city of that size? Uh, what I can say is it's debatably the second or the third uh, biggest city in France. Okay, okay. And uh, now I can check uh, how many, uh, what's what's the population. Uh... But just even knowing second or third biggest gives a, gives a good sense, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's quite big. I looked it up. It's uh, five hundred thousand. It looks like roughly five hundred thousand. Yes, because you have many also small cities around Lyon. So now it's called a metropole. Uh, you know, so it's 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 how you define Lyon. So, but yeah, it's quite it's quite quite big. And you're near. Looks like Geneva and Turin, Torino and Geneva are somewhat close to you. Geneva, yeah, it's it's uh, like uh, an hour, uh, two hours from here, yeah, in car. Do you ever get over there? Uh, I've been there, yeah, but uh, not not uh, recently. Uh, I had an uncle that was living there, but uh, he died uh, a few years ago, so I have no real reason to go to go there. But sometimes when we go in in Switzerland, we we Passed by uh, Geneva, yeah, but uh, there's not much much things to to do there. S J, have you been there? I haven't. Really? No, I'd like to. I'd like to. Um, let me see here. What would you like to do there? Uh, just visit. I want to. I, I want to just check it out. You know. Um, that's really all. I just I would like to see how the, the Swiss lifestyle is. And um, I'd really like to see a lot of Europe that I haven't seen. I, I just spent some time in Prague and in Warsaw last year. But um, I met some Germans that were living um, in the western part of Germany near France, like in Köln and um, Dortmund. So it, it just seems like an interesting area because there's a few countries that are all tightly together there with a lot of cities so i'm, I'm just curious about what it's like there sure you're, you're right you're you're right to to be curious about that and it's pretty different from uh, from a place to another uh, from germany to france and from france to to switzerland i, I, I like uh, the swiss life too you know because as i said uh, the uncle that was living there but you, Geneva is really different from the rest of Switzerland. Switzerland is a lot of uh, uh, mountain, you know. It's very calm. It's an interesting way of life, yeah. Maybe because they, they got uh, more, more money also <laughs> and less, uh, less problem. But uh, yeah, I, I like it too. Well, have we heard from anybody else, uh, Alan or Guillaume? I guess I, I didn't notice anybody talking about jumping on. 
So, yeah, uh, I know Jeremy said he needed a few more minutes. I'm just trying to call him again. I figured I just gave him that extra time. I know Zenor is definitely out. Uh, he's His job started today. I spoke to him a, a few days ago, uh, just briefly about something else. So I happen to know that he was definitely unavailable today. Um, and Jeremy said that he was just going to be a few minutes late. It's Mother's Day, so I don't know if that's part of what's going oh, on. Oh, God, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it? It's Mother's Day in the uh, U.S.? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, and in China, I think it's a bunch of countries do it today, uh, celebrate it today. Um, uh, I'm not sure. Not in France? No. Okay. <laughs> Except if I missed it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so. okay. Oh, Joe's cool. here. Is that true? Joe's here? Oh, what up, my people? How you doing, <laughs> man? All was good. Any updates uh, where you're at, man? Yeah, they opened everything up, so... It's pretty uh, much not like not like a phasing or a... everything is pretty much normal now. Like people are at the beach, everyone's out and about. You still gotta wear masks in some stores. You know, like when you go to the door, door they'll tell you to put it on. But everybody's out, enjoying their lives. Wow, that's a that's a quick change. So. Um... Is that a, uh, I guess I'm just curious, like the sort of the language around that is the, is the language of like, well, the threat has passed and we're back to normal or we're just going to try our best to, I'm just <laughs> you know, curious, like how, how do you, how do you hear the, 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 the it being talked about? The funny thing about it is because we've been quarantined, I haven't been talking to anybody, so I don't really know. Uh, I think, you know, sure. the way everybody is out is, like, on the beach, they're out in droves, and they're not in masks, and they look like they're having a lot of fun and partying, so <laughs> my guess is all the people that are out are the ones who never really were alarmed by any of this to begin with. Because once they got the go-ahead that they could go out, they're, like, not scared of the virus. You know, they're not going out with any caution. So, but I can't really say who's still inside because I can't see them. But my guess is it's 50-50. There's a lot of people that are still cautious. You know what? In my building, I just see a lot of elderly people that are, wearing the mask and like not getting in the elevator with me. So when I say it's back to normal, it's like, you know, COVID was our new normal. And so a small departure from that feels like a big change, but yeah, actually, you know, now, now that I take stock of it, everything's still really, really weird, but it's uh, much more normal than it was a week ago. Let me ask you, Joe, can you get a haircut or eat in a restaurant? Yet? No, I just got a haircut today. Okay. I look amazing. Um, you can't eat at restaurants, but what the COVID actually did was uh, Israel opened its version of Uber Eats basically because of COVID and uh, it accelerated like the usage of it. Now, like all I do is eat their Uber Eats, which by the way is like a million times better than Uber Eats in America. 
I don't know if you guys do Uber Eats over there. Well, so, okay, that's, I just want to uh, pull back on this for a second because, so for me, I mean, that's the restaurant industry is my career. Yeah. I When you say, hey, everything's open, then you just said, oh, well, actually, you can't eat in restaurants. That to yeah. me is a huge, I don't, I don't, and I'm not trying to like pick on you. I mean, it's me like, so can we zero in on that? Because that is a, that's a, that's a big factor, I think, not only for like, way of life but all you know but also a lot of people's livelihood and whatnot um i feel you man i feel you um so just to say like when all the stuff here that it was like only to go only there was so so much more demand for these sort of uber eats type situations but they're like robbing the restaurants these restaurants that are like trying to hang on to business Mm -hmm. by doing to-go orders and they're losing so much of their money through Grubhub and all these different apps um, that just take huge percentages of what you're. So it's like, you know, there was a thing went around of like, here's a receipt for I sold this much worth of food, and this is actually what I received from, I think it was Grubhub. But they're they're all pretty bad. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Again, there's no part of this COVID situation that I don't see that somebody has lost money and somebody else has figured out how to get that money. You know, it's a classic yeah. story. So, yeah, I mean, they're gonna, you know, like all businesses, like they're gonna have to get creative and adapt. Like, I mean, it would be kind of cool if, if, like, every time I ordered delivery from a Pacific restaurant, like a Thai restaurant, they also brought me like five ingredients that are going to last me the whole week, like some bean sprouts or something to throw in my fridge, like, mm-hmm. you know, have a, have a nice Thai food week on us and leave us alone. That's Anyways, cool. Yeah, that's a really cool idea. I'm just rambling here. Uh, no, I mean, that's, that's actually a really neat idea because there's so much I think that's been done of, um, sort of like meal packets, right? And those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. My, so the bar I was working at that got, that shut down because of coronavirus, they, was we, we only served really like bar food. It was more of a bar and our food was very much bar food. We did like pizza and wings and stuff like that. Um, but once they're close to coronavirus, they're like, well, what the fuck can we do? So yeah, they started trying to do stuff of like making almost like grocery packages and things like that of like what can you buy you know yeah. what can they what can they put together um so we actually i have to go to work tomorrow um my that's, restaurant is open this great. week that's great um no. i think it's great oh. um so I'll, I'll say this quickly i don't know if i want this on a recording but just to say, um, ultimately, it's gr- it's great in the sense of like, look, when I did, I realized this the other day, when I did, we did that April, it was a month ago, we did our little ritual. Mm-hmm. I focused particularly on my job, like my, my sort of intentionality in that ritual was the reopening of my job. And I, I wanted that. So it's not to say I don't I don't want that or I don't want, want to go back to work or anything like that. Um, mm-hmm. But this is the part that fucks me up is that the timeline 
Just, just the same way that we could talk about a timeline being manipulated by corporate, uh, you know, Bill Gates, or you know, you want to you want to fudge numbers in one way and like make a dramatic thing because you want this control system. In the same way, you have major powers, both government and corporate powers, that are fudging the numbers in other directions for economic interests, and. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think there's really arguing with that. It's like literally like, what do you, okay, we push the numbers this way for this reason and push the numbers this way for this reason. And what I see is happening is most of the restaurants that are reopening right now, because a lot aren't, there's this thing that the government gave these small business loans with the condition that if you reopen and you can show that you're at 75% of your payroll as it was, mm-hmm. then the, the loan turns into a grant, mm-hmm. meaning they don't have to pay it back. So there's this incentive that like, well, it's like literally like my, my boss called me. He's like, well, we got approved for this thing that I thought we weren't approved for months ago, but like it came through and like, I have to open, like I have to spend this money. Mm-hmm. You know, um, like literally, I have to show that I'm, you know, people are here and, you know, like, but it's not, not proving business, just proving that they're open, they're open for business um, with yeah. the incentive of getting people off unemployment, all these sorts of things. And while all these things are, at, you know, in, a, in one sense, admirable, like, great, yeah, it's forcing you to spend the money in the right way and, you know, getting people transitioning and all, like, you could argue that, but that's not how it works. It's like it has made it has made a timetable that is explicitly for the government's interest. So there's like a sort of like bribe scenario there because it's I did the math and it's like, oh, it's cheaper for them to pay this amount of money to the to the restaurant to have me on to have me working than it is for mm-hmm. them to pay me to be unemployed, right? So you, there's like there's literally like this financial incentive for the government to switch that payment. And there's the thing that if the restaurant is failing and can't maintain that payroll, well, then they lose the grant aspect and have to repay it. So it's, it's totally, it's manipulative. It's really fucking manipulative. And I don't like that aspect of it. And that aspect makes me nervous because I'm like, if if it's so clear that you have a, um, a financial incentive in doing this, and I don't mean like from my restaurant or whatever, I just mean even like, again, the way this is being, this timeline has been manipulated through these acts of the government, because these, these programs were not approved, and then just this like last two weeks, like suddenly a bunch of places got approved for these, oh, here's mm-hmm. all this government aid. Oh, with all these strings attached. And again, it's just it just seems really manipulative and I I don't like that my my I'm being jerked around by these the same way I didn't want you know, if we don't like um a government mandating that you have to stay home, maybe we don't you know, I don't know. No, I mean I, I couldn't agree more, like there's a few aspects of this that are unsettling and, and just plain out plain old stupid. It's like 
you know, they have to pay out all this money because they're in some sense forcing people to not work. And then, then to compensate for that, they've got to um, change the payment structure to, you know, benefit them. So they're going to pay the companies and then make it a loan if they can't reopen. Well, what's the next thing they're going to do after that? It's like whenever the government tries to fix problems, they just they end up having to fix that new problem that, that they created. And then they got to, you know, create some mastermind scenario to fix that new problem. It's like everything that they do to try to help just makes things worse in the end. And um, it's like, I understand your frustration. Like, to me, that's just what government is. Like, anytime they try to help, they just make more problems. Yeah, and it's like knowing that I'm risking my health is, you know... For, for that asinine structure bothers me. Um, whereas if it was like, if this was not because of that and it was just my boss hit me up and was like, hey, I really think like, you know, I'm struggling and I need to reopen now and like, would you help me? I would still say yes. I mean, you know, I said yes. Um, yeah. But I, yeah, but yeah. it's, I, ju- I, I just don't, you know, I just don't like the, the reason why it's like, oh, it has to be right now. I'm like, hey, you know, there was just all these like Trump protesters out here a week ago. Why don't we wait another week? If they're all dead, then we don't open. And if they're all alive, Mm -hmm. then how about we say, cool, you guys were right. (laughs) You know, I'm happy to say you're right. And let's move on. But let's give it one more week. People just started gathering in masses a week ago. This shit takes 14 days. Let's give it a week. (laughs) Yeah, let's let them quarantine in their protests. And, uh, yeah, I feel you, man. Yeah, same in France. Also, you know, we are supposed to go out of uh, confinement uh, tomorrow. And I've noticed that, uh, you know, we we had a map with uh, colors of the different regions in France. And if you were green uh, uh, until tomorrow, you know, you, you could uh, go out and uh, start again uh, your usual uh, activities, you know, go go at work and and don't need uh, any more any attestation, you know. And uh, what's what's weird for me, you know, is that uh, the numbers of uh, death uh, went down just the, the the last days just just before you know we go out of confinement uh, yesterday so are they counting differently or i don't know but uh, i found it uh quite suspicious that everything is going green just just before the day before like uh, they they planned it to to the day you know precisely that's what i'm saying like the no just like we know the numbers can be fudged to make yeah. a scare the yeah. numbers can also be fudged, but scares totally. over, and it's like, exactly. okay, I don't believe any of this. I don't, just don't believe any of it. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I just want to say one last thing, like about my restaurant. I, I had this realization. I was like, I don't, you know, again, I don't, I don't even know. Am I? Wor- I don't know that I'm worried about coronavirus. I don't. It's not so much that. It's just. Um, I don't I don't like being a guinea pig, obviously, but uh, but I thought about and I was like, you know, say like Doug, Doug had to be, you know, working with the public this whole time. And 
you know, he, he didn't have a choice. He had to do that. And I'm like, well, I just don't feel like I technically have a choice. Uh, obviously, you know, everyone, I could say, I could say no. Um, but I just didn't feel like that was appropriate. And I thought if people are, are going, so like, I, I, you know, this is a, a bad analogy because the, you know, if it's, a, if it is a real threat, then it, it hasn't gone away, but the sort of way I'm thinking of it is like, well, if a hurricane came through and knocked down all the fucking, knocked down this restaurant or knocked down something in the community and people started leaving their houses to pick up the pieces, I don't, maybe I don't like the timeline, but if this is, if everyone's going out there to pick up pieces, then like, I'm, I feel like it's my responsibility to go out and help, you know, so... I like this restaurant. I like this. This city has a good restaurant, ind- restaurant industry, and uh, I particularly like the, the bar that I work for. And I just want to help it get back on its feet. And I hope ultimately I'm doing the right thing by everybody to, you know, I don't, you know, you don't want to risk people's lives, um, customers and employees, and all that sort of stuff, but. As I said, if this is when everyone else is leaving the house to go clean up the mess, I feel like I should I have to go do that. And, and so do I'm you have most uh, of it? Just... Do you have some sort of preparation, like uh, you have to make uh, empty places near each uh, people, or have them uh, separated by uh, some space? Or so I have a meeting tomorrow where we're going to go over how we're going to do this. Um, so I don't have specifics yet. And I can tell you what the government guidelines are here. Outdoor spaces are allowed 50% capacity. So the bar I work for, it does have like a indoor bar on the first floor, but we also have a rooftop bar, which is our, where we're most busy in the summer. So I would assume the, what we would do is just not open the first floor. But like, what's the point of opening a bar for 10 people? I don't, I don't get that. Yeah. Uh, but if we open the roof, then you're open air, you're allowed, you know, you still have to do common sense spacing, but you're allowed 50% capacity. And again, you're just, you're out in the open. I think if I would feel so much more comfortable, like I'm working in the sunlight, we're all, we're all open air. Maybe I'm sure everything we have, all have, everyone has to wear a mask, at least employees. Um, but to say like, that sounds really, that sounds pretty comfortable to me. I'm totally cool with that. The indoor spaces, I think it's still really questionable, like even from a profitability or, or like, you know, there was a thing of, Hey, this one restaurant, somebody got, somebody was sick and everyone else in the restaurant got sick. Cause it's just like, you're trapped in the air conditioning circulating. Mm. There was this story um, of like, Oh, this happened. And like, how are we going to do this going forward for restaurants? Again, like I, I will find out tomorrow what their plan is for that first four bar, but uh, because I'm in a unique situation because I work in an outdoor space, and it'll like um, if they tell me they want me to work on the first floor versus working on the roof, I would, I would have a very different feeling about it. Here and, in know, France, I'll, I'll figure that out tomorrow. They 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 decided not to open the the, the restaurants and the bars uh, tomorrow. So they, they, they keep them closed for now. 
Interesting. So like that, all that yeah. comes as a waiter hey, phase. Hey, who's there? Oh, what's up, hey, man? Good, good. Uh, I, I just wanted to add something because uh, Guillaume, you said that uh, you find it weird that they um, everything goes green uh, just before the tomorrow, the day of the confinement. And it made me, made me realize that uh, tomorrow is uh, a Jewish um, holiday called the Lag Baomer. And it's uh, basically it marks uh, uh, the end of the day. Um, this is the day that marks the end of a plague. Uh, oh, really? so this is a yeah. So <laughs> found it uh, interesting. Are you talking associated with like Passover? That story? Uh, I don't really know. Wait, it's called Lagbaumer, and uh, it's uh, I don't know. It's uh, it's a um, I didn't I wasn't aware about this stuff, but I saw this on uh, on the internet, and uh, it was um, no, it's just the day of uh, the celebration day of a plague uh, that killed the uh, twenty four. Thousand disciples of Rabbi Akiva, so it's uh, <laughs> kind of interesting that the end confinement is uh, tomorrow, the end of the plague, basically. So, yeah. Cool. Uh, yeah. That. All right. Events of May. Yeah. Just. Yeah, very interesting. Okay. Um, so this doesn't mention anything about... Um, well, let's read more. Hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting. Okay, yeah, now this says... This does say... So uh, if, if I say this is recorded and you're listening to this, uh, we are looking, uh, I'll, I'll put a link, but it's L-A-G space B-A-O-M-E-R. Um, so SJ, you want to tell me what you just posted there? Sure, I'm just doing research on the fly. I'd actually never heard of this, but um, I just found it quickly here. And this is straight from the Wikipedia entry on Lag Ba'omer, and quote, another reason why Jews celebrate Lag Ba'omer is that it marks the day that the, uh, that the plague that killed Rabbi Akiva's 24,000 disciples came to an end. And for this reason... Oh, it's the end of the plague. Yeah. The end of yes. the plague, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. That's, that's oh, I didn't catch... Sorry, JJ, I didn't catch that. I thought you were saying... No, it's me, yeah. Okay. So I, I thought you. I, so I apologize. I thought you said hand of the plague, and I was picturing that oh, like okay. scene of like the hand, you know, like this, like <laughs> the hand of God going through killing everyone. And I'm like, oh, that's a horrible omen. Okay, I'm like, okay. that's Passover though. I thought that. I thought that passed already. I'm like, fuck. I don't want to go back to work on that day. <laughs> so that's. Uh, in case anyone's interested, so that's actually a video of them celebrating that. Uh, in Tel Aviv. I drove past it last night. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, great. Uh, what, what, you said you just drove past. Was that like a, does that have a good sized crowd like throughout the city or? Uh, it looked like a couple hundred people, I think. I'm not sure exactly. I just, 
I didn't pay much attention and just drove past and saw everyone going crazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's fascinating. Yeah. That's really, really interesting. Yeah. So, okay. So, uh, you guys are saying France technically opens tomorrow on this lag bomber. I return tomorrow. Um, SJ, uh, Joe, Joe, you said yours opened. When did when did Tel Aviv open? I think five, four or five days ago. Gotcha. Okay. SJ, any changes where you're at? Um, none not too noticeable. I just pulled up the phase. There's a six phase, um, a plan that they released like late in April. And I, all I saw was restaurants start opening on June 7th and I've just kind of shut it down because I don't really care. <laughs> you know, the, the other stuff isn't as uh, important to me, but, um, I'm just pulling it up now. So starting May 10th, the second phase, uh, opened. So that was yesterday or that was Sunday. Um, or Monday, so it was Sunday. Construct so construction, construction supervision, manufacture of building materials, car wash and auto service facilities, computer and home appliance repairs, and then functioning of recreation areas. So that just opened today, um, and I guess malls on May twenty fourth, uh, restaurants on the seventh, and it keeps going until gambling and hotels on july 5th is the final phase educational institutions will open back up so the final phase yeah that's the one that uh for me you know for me my life was mainly affected because i was teaching in china you know and i was just thinking about uh like last fall during i guess flu season or whatever i mean i would go into my classroom and there would be like kid high school kids like really sick you know but still in class and you know i didn't really care or whatever but uh that kind of scenario, I'm just curious how this stuff will um, change. It's not only like a teaching environment, but even at a restaurant, let's say you have someone that sneezes or clearly has a little <laughs> cough or something. What happens at that point? Is there a freak out? I mean, do workers, I, I don't know. I mean, I, there's any number of things that could happen in response to that, but I'm just kind of imagining how our world, you know, these, these, these fact patterns that might emerge as we quote unquote reopen. You know, so I'll, I'll be curious to see what you learn, Alan. Like, what is the protocol if someone appears to be a little ill? Like, what 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 would happen? Sure, yeah. You run, and, you run. And, <laughs> you, you run, run yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's literally what I have a friend who I um, who I bartended with who's not going back to work this week, and like, so I you know I said yes, but he's not coming back, and then. We were chatting and I said, you know, I said, well, what are you, you know, I was like, oh, what, what are you thinking? And he just sent me the, uh, this like meme and it just says run. And I'm like, ah, oh, come on, <laughs> you know, but um, yeah. The, and the point here is like, so let's say someone's eating or drinking. They can't, the whole idea of wearing a mask. So they have to take their mask off to eat or drink. So this idea, like you said, is once someone's sick and coughing, now they're not even wearing a mask, you know, whatever. I'd rather focus uh, real quick. I just want to, this lag Baumer, I think it's really interesting that this, the symbol of this is the bonfire. And I know we all, when we did our ritual, all the fire connections that we talked about for that, as well as we just passed May Day, this um, European 
uh, celebration of like the new spring and all this sort of stuff, uh, the sacrifice of the king, and that's very much affiliated with bonfires. So this that imagery is really optimistic, as well as it says here on uh, Wikipedia, this is the day uh, in which the Zohar is revealed. Um, and that's that's so this is like basic a revelation of uh, mystical information, uh, an end of disease and, a you know, lighting of these fires. And that was really, really cool and positive imagery. Just to throw in here, too, on Wikipedia, it's the first haircut for children. So three-year-old boys are given their first haircuts on this, I guess, on this celebration. And that's really... Oh, Joe, you're a man now. <laughs> but the, hair, <laughs> the haircut, I mean... Yes. That's, the symbolism of the haircut has really taken on this kind of charged um, power over the last you know month where there's been wars over the salons opening. And so it, there is a kind of moment we're in where the haircut actually, you know, I'm seeing it all over social media. God, I just want a haircut, this, this sort of thing. It's also a financial term to take a haircut. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a good point. That's a really good point. Uh huh. Uh, mm-hmm. So I I just want to mm-hmm. throw one thing I, I had said. I do see SJ your point same as you. I see like this. I just want a haircut, 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 haircut affiliated with these protests. And my assumption in reading that is not that these are customers demanding that shops reopen, but these are hairdressers, salon owners, etc., that are taking part in the protests. Would you, are we making the same assumption? I think it'd be very different to be like, you go back to cutting my hair is not demanding freedom. (laughs) That's demanding a haircut. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. There's one famous case. that's this, this hairdresser, this salon owner in Dallas, Shelly something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really, I've seen exactly. Yeah, there there was a fight where the governor intervened, and she and her she her thing was I just want to feed my children, and I have employees that want to feed their children. So I've seen that that take on it, but then I've also seen like people saying, you know, um, my my hair is a wreck. I, uh, there's also a, a bunch of people saying I learned how to cut hair in lockdown you know these are one of the necessary lockdown skills that were all over the media how to cut your hair how to give yourself a haircut or girls saying Mm -hmm. things like oh my god should i try to give myself bangs or will i fuck it up you know there there was a whole basket of stuff there alan across all of the spectrum i saw but it was certainly the people wanting to to get back into opening their businesses and it kind of became a stand-in for that like we want to open our businesses to make a livelihood sort of thing I didn't try to give myself a haircut, just for the record. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither, but I'm impatient. I did. <laughs> Lucky you. Yes. Yes, so, same here. Wow. They, they were talking about the the hairdressers, and it was on the news, and and people are starting to cut their hair themselves, and they they, they did a big subject on the news, you know, during uh, during hours, you know. <laughs> so, 
So last thing I just want to say real quick about um, my restaurant opening this week, uh, particularly because I'm, I'm in a state where there have been large, like, reopen protests very close to me. The other part of this is who are the first wave of people that are going to go out to all these businesses? Are the people who are saying, this is a hoax, we don't, shouldn't have to wear masks, reopen now. They're probably the first wave of customers, right? Like, realistically speaking. Yeah. The, the, youth, yeah. the youth also. So the a asymptomatics. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Exactly. Oh, you guys haven't realized we're all asymptomatic carriers. Covid <laughs> <laughs> world order. Yeah, no, just. Um, I mean, one thing to bring uh, bring up about this idea earlier, I was thinking um, that there's people that are saying, "Well, we want to survive economically, um, and so open back up so we can survive survive economically." But then on the same time, there's people saying. Um, we want to keep it closed down because we don't want to risk our lives, um, workers, for example. And and I wish I would I could see more workers. And you see some of this, but you, it seems like there's an economic argument for like extended um, payments from the government, like a UBI. And in America, we just got one twelve hundred dollar check, and that's it. But I know in some other countries, there was uh, the government was basically paying workers to stay at home. And so I'm wondering, like in France, uh, Guillaume or JJ or in Israel, did is are those kind of payments? Have they been forthcoming from the government, or, and are they still um, happening? But these kind of keep. Yes, JJ, you you can answer. Um, personally, I uh, I received um, help from the government uh, because I'm um, independent worker. So I got a check, yeah. I don't know if, he, if it was your uh, your question, but uh, Wait, is yeah. it a one time? Is it a one time check today, uh, or will it keep going? For me, for me, it's no. It's just two time for me. It's okay. Just March and April, the time of the the confinement. It was like okay. uh, one uh, one hundred and fifty uh, euros each. And also, just because I have, yeah. Here for the, the the people that couldn't go to work, they were paying them like seventy five percent of the of their payments, and then uh, the your 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 boss had to 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 either not pay you the rest or pay you the twenty five percent resting. Yeah, and I I think it's. It it might continue maybe just a bit more like uh, the the next months, like that. Is it, is Israel Joe? Was there anything like that? Like a no, I don't think they're doing like special uh, checks. Not that I know of. I know a lot of people like in our league were trying to get something from the government, but they as of yet are not doing anything. It's interesting to me because, like, we talk about the new normal, and um, you know, people are saying the government's incentivizing, like Alan was talking about, people rushing back into the workforce. And it seems like if one thing that's potentially positive from this, I mean, would be that maybe people would rethink, like, 
the nature of that work workplace and you know how much money does a job really pay you does that does that allow you to survive and maybe like having more of a social safety net i guess is what i'm thinking i was hoping it might might help with uh kick-starting some kind of new social safety net but that moment looks to have passed for now as people just kind of reopen and and it's just sort of let's try the old way of life you know i think it is sj actually i think uh, it is kick-starting like yeah. the original social safety net which is uh, everyone's in at home with their family and uh you know that's it's supposed to be our social safety net so i think that that reconnection is um probably maybe a decade or you know a few decades down the line gonna gonna pan out maybe people won't even recognize retrospectively that um it was this time that like brought that heightened sense of uh family as like the core of their focus but um yeah yeah that's awesome that's beautiful yeah man. Like yeah. a lot of the world, never lost lost sense of that, you know, like in China, I know we talked about that, but I mean, there it's family, you live with your family, and you take care of your parents, I mean, they, don't, they actually don't have a social safety net. I was talking to one of my students two weeks ago, and she was like, here, you know, everybody saves money because there is no uh, unemployment, for example, so, so she was explaining why there's such a high rate of savings. Um, yeah, it's interesting how those, uh, those you know, government-based financial incentives destroy your, you know, I don't know how to call it a virtue, but like a, your financial sense that, yeah, I should probably be saving some money, you know. That's kind of, you know, obviously what we talked about with Alan earlier about, you know, everything the government does, even as, as good as it appears on the surface, it's like it ultimately ends up just causing more problems, like you said, um, people in China, they, they save money because they don't have that social safety net. So it's like, yeah, the social safety net is nice, but in the end it destroys um, probably something that's a higher virtue, or, you know, it's, it's, which is having personal responsibility for saving your own money. Not just for you, but for your family and for people you love and care about. Yeah, and I think the closeness that you're describing, that kind of uh, intimacy that comes with... Um, taking care of like my grandmother i wasn't a direct caregiver for this this was last year she 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 was in her home receiving some level of care for the last couple of years of her life fully cognizant mm -hmm. mentally but um you know there was a real intimacy of just being there get, feeding her giving her water i didn't have to do any other other more um just i guess kind of bodily stuff but i mean my aunts and uncles were there Know, and it and it really did bring the family together around her to help her and to be with her you know and i yeah. i know i learned about like dying and just aging and how to age gracefully by seeing that and being at least around that um i learned somewhat some about it i, mean, I don't say you know i'm sure there's always more to learn about that but i i, I think there's this point there's like a principle here that is really going to become potentially um more and more important let's see how this opening up goes and how quickly we get back to normal or whatever but the idea that um if we start relying who we rely on actually has control over our um you know um parts of our lives like 
by seeding the reliance, we cede power over certain areas. And I think that's the fear that people talk about with UBI is that, well, what are the conditions going to be, you know? And that's a fear I have about it. I mean, I took my check, but they didn't ask me to do anything, you know? They didn't ask me to do anything. So uh, that's one thing I, I just think is worth considering. You know, what are you giving up? And um, So I, I came in late, but uh, I didn't want to interrupt. Who do you, are you saying you have a check? Is that from some sort of universe, some, some basic income payment or just like a, hey, while we're in lockdown? Oh, I got the U.S. government $1,200. That you did? Was, really? I, being, even being overseas? Wow. Yeah, I'm a citizen. It was just every sure. citizen. So I filed my taxes and qualified and they sent it to um, uh, the address I use in America and I got it there and then they were able to deposit it for me. So yeah, I did get it. And we were just talking about UBI, Alan, and like maybe this is an opportunity. Um, so it was kind of what you were mentioning about like these economic issues and like I was saying that the, the right is saying, well, let us make a living. And then maybe the more of a leftist critique is like, well, we need to survive. If there's a risk out there, how are we going to economically protect people during this time? And maybe just some of the things or uh, the issues that come up with that, you know, um, and uh, JJ and um, Guillaume were sharing about what's going on in France. And, and uh, Joe shared a little bit about what's happening in Israel. But that issue of like, Okay, if if we're in a crisis, it's a pandemic. You can't. It can't. It's like uh, you can't have it both ways. You can't not pay people and tell them to not work, or yeah, yeah, or yeah. push them out into the workplace if they're going to get sick and die. Like what mm -hmm. you know. So there's this real bind that I think needs to be resolved. You know? I prefer payments. I want a strong social safety net, and that way, like in countries like Canada or Denmark or some of these other places. Yeah, I think there's there's something to be said for both sides of that, of obviously for entrepreneurial uh, a situation and, and the spirit of like wanting to grow businesses in general, we have to have freedom there. But yes, to have a safety net is super important. And I think this shows that uh, I understand the, the idea of like, oh, is this being manipulated to, to some way? for that but again i don't you know everyone who's crying about socialism and oh this is a conspiracy by the new world order to get us onto some universal basic income where the government controls how much money you make etc cetera, etc cetera. i don't see that i see the government's giving money to airlines and cruise ships and <laughs> hotels and like we have we have trillions of dollars to bomb everything where it's just we've got space force going you know what i mean like trillions and trillions of dollars that no one is questioning where that money is going but we're really worried about taking care of you know when it comes to supporting people suddenly it's socialism suddenly everyone freaks out when we actually give money to poor people um it's really fucking upsetting I want I want to throw one more sort of controversial twist, and, and I, I don't I don't you know I don't want to get focused on politics. I actually have a very clear agenda. After maybe when we when anyone's ready to make a transition, I really want to get into talking about the sudden popularity of this pandemic film. And JJ, I want you to talk about your new film. Uh, but I do have one sort of last thing I really want to hit while we're kind of dancing around this. 
um, there's so many people out protesting with with weapons, armed protests, saying, hey, we're demanding freedom. Hey, we're demanding, you know, an end to government tyranny and um, all these sorts of the, the points that the is being that are being raised by the right i feel there's some huge inconsistencies because the same people who are saying hey uh it's my body my choice and this is this is tyranny the same people who are saying like i don't want to wear a mask to costco or i don't want to like how dare you make me wear a mask into this store but isn't that personal property right like i'm not again i mean i spend enough time in libertarian circles in, in that personal property right, if I'm Costco and I say, hey, you want to come in here, you have to wear a mask, why aren't these guys respecting that, right? You don't like it? You, if you don't want to wear a mask, you don't come to my store. It's as simple as that. Um, how about uh, right now we have a situation in South Dakota where the uh, Indian reservations are saying, hey, we want to put up our guidelines for if you're going to travel into our territory, these are our guidelines. And the government, the American government of South Dakota is challenging these people and saying, you have 48 hours to change what you're doing or we're going to fucking change it for you, threatening this Indian reservation. Where is the protection of personal property rights, of of liberty, of choice, of saying, okay, we... That's your territory. You fucking do what you want to do there. We just had uh, this young black man that was killed jogging down the street. You know, there was some sort of left wing, the classic like share a meme. It's sad reaction, but no action, no actual action. If you're literally have an AK-47 and you're down in the middle of fucking capital shouting about liberty and freedom and and government tyranny and, you know, protecting lives. Where are the people protesting for these things to say, hey, I support Costco's right to, to make their, their personal choice. I support the Indian reservations to not be in, raided by American government agents. Hey, I support the freedom for a young man to just fucking jog down a street without getting murdered. These shouldn't be left or right policies. They should be the policies of whoever is shouting about they're they're the freedom fighter. Am I am I wrong? Am I am I off base somehow? No, I totally agree. As long as you engage in uh, in others' lives, you know you you shouldn't be able to impose. Uh, to not wear a mask. If you go in a shop uh, where there are other people, you are putting them at risk if you don't wear a mask. So that's, yeah, but you know, it's here we see it like Americans think the, the, the freedom is, uh, is about uh, resisting, you know, any, any law, even if it's, or any rule, even if it's, uh, it's just something intelligent or, Sane, you know, and that's quite I, weird. Yeah, I will say this, Alan. I think it's quite complicated because 
I've seen, and I agree that there is this contradictions. I mean, I agree with largely the way you frame things, but I, I will say, and I, th I think there's a general tendency in the, in the media, like in the main, let's just call it the mainstream media, both so-called left and so-called right. Uh, we might put, we can, we could delineate that if we wanted to, which outlets are, what we'd call left or right. But I think there's a general tendency to kind of polarize and to sort of generalize um, and label uh, quickly, like this is what the Trump people and these are, this is what this group of people you see in this picture are all Trump people or are all uh, is doing it because of this reason. And I, and I will say I've seen kind of percolating and maybe some of the less mainstream outlets, um, actually people making this connection between the, what, what, what you might say is left and right, like where are they actually in agreement? So for example, um, you saw armed protesters in Michigan going into the state house the day after, in the days after, um, a, a bunch of, uh, you know, black guys with AK-47s escorted in a legislator who said she felt unsafe. They escorted her in with AK-47s. And then I saw memes saying, I support this and I support this. And I saw a lot of people saying this is great for both kind of both people exercising this right. Um, so I thought that was some progress. And that's kind of what I was trying to say a little bit earlier about um, just some of these economic issues. I think I think that both sides so-called could unite on like this this general principle that you want to have a society that fairly distributes money so that everybody has their economic needs met. The other thing I wanted to say is that even in circles of like people that are into a diffusion of power, there is contradiction. So like with Costco, I think a lot of people were the resistance, some of it at least, was not saying that Costco couldn't have that policy, but that Costco was saying they had to have the policy because of a, a, a particular mayor. And then, and like in, in Austin, I know this is the case, the mayor was saying, here's our city ordinance. The governor was saying, we don't agree with that and sending different signals. And then sometimes even the sheriffs in a county are saying something like, we're not going to enforce what the mayor says. So there's like this overlapping jurisdictional issue. And that's what I mean when I'm saying it's quite complicated that a lot of times there's no, we don't really have answers to this stuff. Um, and so anyway, I just want to throw that in here that, that there is a lot of overlapping contradictory kind of um, just stuff going around. Um, I don't know if that makes that no, clear. No, that's a great point. That's a great, great point. And maybe, and maybe unless anyone wants to jump in on that, that's a great transition is contradictory information, over, overlapping contradictory information. JJ, you know, maybe we can bring in your video and transition into just that, that conversation of what, what seems to be making the rounds right now is this, you know, alternative, uh, whether that's Plandemic, your video. Can you, can you tell people about your video first? Because I'm sure most people know Plandemic, but they might not know yours, so. Oh, okay. Uh, so I did make this uh, sync video, but it's, there's a lot of conspiracy in, the, in there. And uh, it's basically about um, all the, what we're talking about uh, today. So it's uh, about the chip um, and... Uh, this uh the virus and uh how um i don't know how to really explain um you know quickly how can i put it um 
Okay, so basically you have uh, um, all these protagonists, and uh, I can I can basically tell a story. Uh, you have Elon Musk and Grimes. Basically, in my video, they are pushing the uh, chip and uh, agenda, <laughs> let's say. And uh, but we have uh, Ken Uribe uh, that is here to uh, to save us all, <laughs> basically. <laughs> No, this is not a good uh, resume, but uh, yeah. <laughs> I like it. I don't, know if, if, I don't know if you can explain this, uh, Alan, with the proper words. I'll and try. I, I, I will yeah. On that. So, and then, uh, and then I will jump on, on this. Uh, okay. It's better. So maybe me. you can get SJ. Can you give SJ a link while I try um, and take it? take a crack at it. So he made a video that is a, uh, and what, what is the video called so people can find it on YouTube? And I'll, I'll post the okay, link as well. Okay, you got the chip. Do you, you have the chip? So... You got the chip. This is a, a quote from uh, Cyberpunk. You yeah. got the chip, question mark. You got the chip, question mark. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, Basically, it's it's kind of like a classic sync film, and then it shows clips from a bunch of you know uh, movies and a bunch of uh, news clips. Um, most most of the news clips, I think, are Elon Musk and Grimes, um, but sort of showing how hey, the same things that are being talked about in this film are being talked about in mainstream life by these figures. Uh, Keanu Reeves with not only the Matrix, but uh, what is it? Is that Johnny Mnemonic or? Um, yeah, yeah. Right, okay. He's a Keanu Reeves. Uh, where he's, yeah. you know, again, sort of tapping into this cybernetic world. Um, all these mentions of plagues that the thing that the reason that in the future of Johnny Mnemonic, the reason they have this is because of the plague where he's fighting against this disease. Um, and part of that is getting getting chipped and having the disease, all this overlap with the same themes that we're exploring throughout the last two months of popular discourse and particularly conspiracy discourse, um, exploring all of yeah. that by use of these films and, uh, and the comments of Elon Musk and sort of overlapping them and just showing that them side by side and creates a really interesting picture. Yeah, so the thing that I noticed was, um, I don't know what was the first thing that I noticed, but uh, one of the things was the Jake Cuts uh, on Twitter posted um, this sort of collage of uh, images. And you have um, Kenny Reeves in Johnny Lemonic saying that uh, he has the cure for the virus in his head. And uh, and then you in the movie, there is a plague caused by uh, all the technology and all that stuff. And um, in Point Break, uh, you have um, Keanu Reeves. He's appearing with um, uh, eating Chinese food and drinking uh, Corona beer. So all these connections, I, I, I saw all this stuff, and I um, I noticed that uh, Grimes was singing uh, uh, this song for Cyberpunk, and uh, she basically the the lyrics were, um, "You're gonna get sick. Uh, you don't know when." And uh, I realized that Kenny Reeves played in Cyberpunk, so I made the connection. And then I realized that Grimes was uh, in a couple with uh, uh, Elon Musk. And, uh, you know, everything clicked like that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, 
uh, Johnny Mnemonic, he also has, has a, a chip inside his, uh, his brain, and it's, this is exactly what uh, uh, Elon, Musk, Elon Musk uh, is doing. And also, Kenny Reeves, uh, his uh, Matrix, He's, he got the, the Matrix in his head also. And uh, yes, I don't know if you know, yeah. but cyber, Cyberpunk is, uh, is a game, uh, com an upcoming game, cy cy Cyberpunk uh, tw 2077. That's, uh, yeah, it's an upcoming game, and uh, yeah. there are a lot of, uh, you know, there, there is a timeline in the, in the game with all these, uh, these dates, these years, and uh, you, uh, each uh, timeline is like it's more, maybe 30 years or 20 years each, and uh, each time there is an, a renewal, and the plague, you know, caused by more okay. technology and more technology. And it's, uh, it's basically the, the game is like that. So everything is, uh, you know, so perfect. So just to be clear, this is, you, you make uh, in your video, you say that the Johnny Nuanic where they're saying, hey, the plague is the technology that like we're being overloaded by technology. You're comparing that to say like 5G, um, yeah. right? So there's that, but... Joe and I don't. Uh, Joe, I don't mean to put you in the position of playing. Um, I don't know the light side. I'm not trying to put force into anything, but I'm just curious. The the idea of those the virus, the spread. You know, this sort of cultural transformation. It really makes me think about some of your your work. So I just wondered if you had any sort of. I'm, I don't know if you've seen this video yet, but just sort of if that if that language does anything for you. I don't know if uh, Joe is there. He, he said he was, uh, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. But uh, not not so long ago, like uh, two or three Skype ago, he said uh, that uh, for him this pandemic also was uh, a way to go uh, more digital. You know. Yeah. Okay. This is exactly what I wanted to to express here, um, and this is basically a. This video, I made this in uh, literally one week from the, the moment I wanted to do the video to the moment I finished it. And, um, but prior to that, I have, the, I have this general thought thinking about, about all this, about the fact that we are going into, you know, dematerialization and, uh, and all that stuff, you know. Uh, and so the, I, I think I wanted to express that in some way. And, uh, and yeah, it's, uh, came like that and I, I'm really happy with the result. It's, uh, it's awesome and people seem to like it. So, but there, there is something that I'm seeing right now is the fact that uh, Conan Smith is, uh, wants to, to share it everywhere and um, etc. He shared it on, uh, on, his, um, on his Facebook group <laughs> and I see all the, the people that shared the video and uh, there is this, uh, everybody is saying, pandemic and posting the video and uh, yeah it's funny <laughs> there is this this uh yeah i don't know what before i'm doing before we go before we switch before we talk about pandemic can we um you while we're still on the sort of elon musk aspect you mentioned this video game cyberpunk 2077 isn't there another video game that plays into this like elon musk made his I don't know, his avatar, yeah. his Twitter avatar uh, is another video game? Yeah, it's uh, Deus Ex. Uh, he, he put it the, 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 
profile picture is the protagonist of the of the game and uh, I don't really recall the, the details of the stuff, but he's basically uh, an agent uh, who is uh, fighting the, the Illuminati. And, uh, and then there, is, there, there also is a plague in the, in, in the game, and uh, they actually say uh, that this, this is a plague made by the, the government, and stuff like that. So it's, uh, it fits, it fits uh, perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if you've seen the last interview of Joe Rogan and uh, Elon Musk lately. Did anyone yeah. uh, watch it? Yeah, so Elon Musk is saying that uh, it's that 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 uh, people should be free to to do what they want, and that uh, this thing is not uh, not that it's not real, but uh, that it's way ex exaggerated, you know. That's its its position. Yeah. And uh, um, let's see. So he's right. He's sort of aligning himself with this. With you know, with the not not the pandemic per se, but I I, I even saw he liked or retweeted some QAnon post or something like that. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. JJ, it, it, JJ it, it, I think it was, you shared that with me, yeah. Yeah, this is the same thing. It's, uh, it's someone that posted uh, a, a, a QAnon guy that posted this, uh, this um, you know, resume of the, of the video game and saying, wow. Uh, so he, okay. he liked it. He liked the post from a guy from QAnon. And all that stuff. So this is this is that. But it was about the the, the video game, and uh, yeah, no, it's, it's it's really really interesting. And uh, I think I will do. I, I'm actually doing another video the, that will uh, be like part two, let's say, because I think that there are, there are more and more stuff coming, and uh, I think the the, the the video will will be will be great. Yeah. Um, um yeah <laughs> wait dennis are you here it looks like you joined us how you doing man good i'm driving with my kids but i'm here <laughs> gotcha okay yeah 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 are you talking about cyber cyberpunk uh 2077 Indeed, yeah. Oh, cool. Awesome. There's a really long gameplay of it up on YouTube. I don't, I'm sure you guys have already talked about it, but uh, yeah. Yeah, so some of that, yeah. Uh. SJ, what did you find here about the, the tweet? Yeah, so just I was just adding to it here that, um, yeah, that Musk has had this this whole, um, there's been a whole series of tweets and it's been this kind of person. I see it as more of like a personality he's cultivated for a while now, but um, back in late April, he was tweeting free America now. And he, he's had what has been a, a called like a couple of Twitter meltdowns. They're almost Trumpian and just like the kind of odd nature of the punctuation and all caps and kind of short phrases or little tweet storms you, you might refer to them as 
but he was tweeting out like the Star Spangled Banner at one point, um, where it, like, but particularly the line like bombs bursting in air. The whole thing seems quite strange to me, and I I think Guillaume was alluding to this earlier, um, but you know Elon Musk owns this uh, company about in, uh, implanting chips into the brain, but he says that that's the future. Starlink is that what it's called, or or BrainLink? No, st- st- Starlink is uh, is the satellites to give uh, internet uh, to uh, to to. Yeah, yeah, to give internet to the world, but uh, I, don't, I don't know uh, what's the name of the chip company. I'm going to search it. Isn't it Neuralink? Neuralink. Neuralink. Neuralink, yeah. But, but and JJ cover, just to say, JJ does cover Neuralink in his video, but the idea between the, the correlation that we have Starlink and Neuralink at the same time is fascinating, right? It's the yeah. outer, outer and inner expression of this technology right um yeah i just and i just wanted to throw in here just a kind of a, a, a thought a final i got a final thought but i mean i think elon musk is kind of setting himself up as like a he's almost like a villain for the people but then simultaneously he's he's at, and this is what some conspiracy types are saying is that he's like ushering in <laughs> while at the same time saying free america open up america he's investing in the very technocratic technology that the same voices are afraid of. And so there's this, this real contradiction, I think, um, around Musk. Um, yeah. I'm not, I'm not citing one way or the other, but it just, she's a strange, strange character right now. And it's totally. worth saying he, he named his child X A E A 12. Yeah. Which is, Which, uh, as I said to Guillaume the other night, that's the name of a CIA spy airplane that that's that has a very specific connotation they say he's the child is named after our favorite airplane which was used by the way then if you look at the history of that airplane it was utilized as a spy plane by the cia yeah the sr-71 blackbird it's it's the one before uh, the project uh, archangel 12 yeah just the one before the sr-71 What's interesting, yeah, so like that has all these connotations to it. You know, SJ, the idea that perhaps he doesn't mean what he's saying or he's playing sort of both sides of the fence. It's like, yet again, people should not be surprised if billionaires are not looking out for you. Um, Yeah, but at the same time, you know, if you listen to him, he's been very controversial about AI because he says that uh, it's really, really dangerous for for us that it's growing very very fast and that it should be taken care of and that's why he says that uh, he's developing himself uh, technology you know like uh, to be one of the elder of of this thing you know to yeah to make it better or, or i don't know but it's it's pretty controversial is uh let's talk about it yeah yeah that's but is interesting, yeah. You got to, yeah, to watch uh, the interview. Actually, the for to 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 go back to the to the video game, uh, he pro he he chose uh, Deus Ex. Uh, the the very end of the the game is uh, basically the, the the character he chose, and he he transforms himself into uh, some sort of transhumanist, uh, you know, robot uh, AI. And uh, he becomes uh, 
the a new god like uh, he's replacing god basically so yeah <laughs> yeah it's so strange that I, i've seen also that musk he was he was saying it was again like speaking out of both sides of his mouth because on the one hand he was saying ai is very dangerous but then like he was developing Neuralink, which is going to be using AI and the Tesla self-driving technology, that all of that is completely AI based. And so I don't know, I, th I think it's kind of one of the things like keep your enemies closer sort of thing where he's sort of trying mm -hmm. to ingratiate himself with the other side. I mean, I, that's just a theory. I mean, we'll see how all of this unfolds, but it's right there in the A-12 aircraft, the primary user, the central intelligence agency. So I, I'm quite skeptical of a uh, Mr. Musk for sure. Um, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> <laughs> and the baby is born on uh, May the Fourth. Oh, really? A May Day baby? Okay. Oh. No, May the Fourth. Oh, May the Fourth. May the Fourth. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. It's the rise of the Starlink Skywalker baby or whatever. <laughs> And uh, JJ, in your video, it's uh, uh, his, his girlfriend uh, from uh, Grime who says uh, the, the, the interviewer is asking her, what's your relationship with nature? And she says, uh, I don't have anything to do with nature. I like uh, cement and digital. <laughs> yeah. <sure>. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 This, uh, yeah. This is interesting. Yeah, yeah. She said that she don't have any relationship with uh, with nature. So, yeah, it's uh, it's kind of scary. All yeah. that. Uh, I did but... see one tweet. I don't remember if it was from Grimes or from Elon Musk, but from one of them, that when talking about the airplane, their love of this CIA airplane, they comment on its use in that way, and they say something like, um basically non-violent it's like uh like they're in the fight but they're participating non-violently mm. uh gosh I, i should i should try and find it but it's the, the implication there being like this is a spy plane it's not a bomb this plane is not meant to bomb <laughs> people it's just meant to spy on people so like it still has this role, but it's not a violent role. It's like, again, that's a weird thing to align yourself with. Like, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, well, Alan, it's so funny because I just looked this up. Her video is called Violence that she released in September 2019. And I believe that's the video, JJ, you can tell us, that is in, that is in your video of her in a face mask. She's wearing a, a Exactly, mask. yeah. And that song is yeah. called Violence. So I'd be interested to explore those themes a little bit to see how she, you know, is squaring this circle. Again, it seems like it's two sides of the same coin, maybe. But I saw that tweet, Ellen, and she was like, yeah, we want to participate in the nonviolent. But yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's so strange. It's almost like saying, you know, and again, I, this is a book. I'm sure people are writing it. But, you know, the, the Grimes and, and Elon are kind of the nonviolent warriors for whatever this, you know, ruling elite. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't mean to, to kind of fear monger around that. But let's just say they are kind of the public face of maybe something else. And entertainers, there's a whole meme like the Dave McGowan work and et cetera, where 
you do have a nonviolent arm of the army, right? Um, and to have them in China, you're seeing that now too. It's like China, these Chinese folks. I saw a meme this week. It was like I'm on social media, and it was like a Chinese person with like hundreds of phones in front of them. Or you have like the Israeli, like the Hasbara, like this idea of kind of the warrior that fights with information, you know? Or the, yeah, I or found her tweet by the way. So it says. A-12, precursor to SR-17, our favorite aircraft. Then she says, no weapons, no defenses, which is interesting right there. No, no defenses either. No weapons, no defenses, just speed. Great in battle, but nonviolent. <laughs> so that's really And then he tweeted, he replied to her and said, like, well, babe, it's actually SR-71. And then I saw some other people saying, like, Elon Musk doesn't know how to treat his wife who just had a baby. You know, he's kind of mansplaining to her. Uh, There was another tweet along these lines where she was saying, like, I don't want to have a gender to my baby. We're not even going to go there. And so no one knew what the gender was. And then someone had replied to one of Musk's tweets, like, Elon, boy or girl? And all Elon said was, boy, (laughs) you know, so it was, again, kind of like she was really, you know, uh, saying things that would be acceptable to maybe this kind of new model of being sensitive around gender. And he just came right with a one word tweet that might be like an alt right style kind of dog whistle or something around trans issues. So really strange. Yeah, it's uh, in a weird way. And this is all, I, I don't know how much of this is for show, obviously, as, as we're talking about, like a lot of this is theatrical positioning, positioning yourself as a, you know, a friend of the people or positioning yourself as a, a hero or, or whatever it might be. Um, but it's when we talk about this sort of merging of these, and, and God, I, I, I'm, I would love some fucking merging, like. I just saw a headline that was, you know, 50% of Brooklynites are white, 97% of the social distancing arrests are for black people, 97% of the arrests. And it's like, once people realize, once people on the left realize, oh, this coronavirus crackdown is a police, you know, has this police state edge, edge to it, that is hurting the people that you want to defend, you know, again, maybe there's room for, for seeing the other side or meeting in the middle and all that sort of stuff. And I feel like the Elon Musk Grimes marriage is sort of at least supposed to be representative of that. Right. As far as like, as far as the theatrics go, her being this progressive young, you know, um, creative type and him being like you know it's like right brain left brain right you know the technology guy technology nerdy guy and his his goth art girlfriend it's like this these are like cliche archetypes when well, grimy uh, is kind of like musky you know you might say a musky mm. if you're out playing in, in, in basketball or something <laughs> But that's a great point, Alan. And again, to go, we were talking earlier, and I, not to stay at, at politics at all, but I just think just this idea that there's these connective tissues here that are sort of under the surface between what's going on right now. And that's a great example 
that this violence, this police state violence, and even the deaths from the coronavirus, like particularly in New York, I was reading about these hospitals. It's like largely poor black neighborhoods where most of the deaths are happening. And I saw pictures in like the West Village and people are just hanging out in the parks and laying around like, you know, right as soon as the lockdown was lifted. But it seems like the worst of it is happening in, you know, poor neighborhoods, minority neighborhoods. And then now the social dis or the uh, contract tracing, which is a euphemism for basically police state thuggery, um, that is being targeted solely at those same kind of uh, under you know marginalized people. And so again, what's the it's the tension? Do you support this new regime, the COVID world order, and all that comes with it in terms of the, or do you do you believe the official story? And again, you have to then acknowledge that. There, so um, it's disproportionate against a minor, uh, uh, you know, a marginalized group. I think so I told you I live in Richmond, right? This used to be the capital of the South. It's pretty. It's not an incredibly diverse city. It's mostly white and black, um, and all of the coronavirus deaths have been black people in this entire city. Yeah, and it's shocking, man. It's terrible, and there's. There's two nurses that came out in the last 10 days that basically, and they, their word is murder. They're saying that people are being murdered in hospitals, in these hospitals in New York City because of the treatments. And like, um, you know, I just want to throw that out there because oftentimes when you get caught in these institutions, people that are, don't have an education, don't understand you can say no, people that kind of just are, are you know, uh, and I'm not saying that's, I'm just, I, I think generally speaking, poorer folks might not have the resources to like know their power against the, against the kind of uh, the, the, the institution, you know, the, the juggernaut, I was going to say, of, of the hospital, right? And so that's, that's just another layer of this is like, you know, is this sort of a medical machine just finding vulnerable and exploitable people to kind of churning through them? And again, I don't want to say that is what's happening. I'm just throwing that out as one idea, right? The other, the other part of it is that these folks are unhealthy and have comorbidities because of the economic condition they're in. Um, absolutely. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Which is a totally, yeah, that, that is a, you know, an, an area of this that needs to be addressed is to say like, oh, do you think maybe living in cramped quarters with, you know, without access to medication, medical insurance, um, without access to nutritional food with that? Yeah. Do you think that could have a, an effect on people's health? Maybe possibly, just possibly. Um, if, if you don't mind, I want to take a quick transition here. You know, one of the things we see with this pandemic video, and particularly the doctor that is featured in this pandemic video, she's talking about these, that the mask itself is going to activate the virus and that you're going to weaken your immune system by wearing the mask and all the diseases that come from wearing a mask. And SJ, I know you lived in China. Uh, Joe, I know, lived in China. I'd be curious if there's anybody here that, you know, I, I've spent some time in Asia, not, not not a lot, but the idea I spoke to, you know, Zenor, as Zenor pointed out in Japan, people wear a mask for when they have a, a zit on their face, you know, 
a mask is so ubiquitous on the other side of the globe and here it's like that's that's the like a takeaway that we 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 talk about some of the other aspects of this pan, uh, pandemic video and the sort of controversy around it um you know, I, I do want to talk about YouTube censorship and things like that, because while I strongly disagree with the some of this information, it, it, and I'm using the mask as the example of like that right there, I know that's bullshit. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, we have we have a massive case study. If you just if you just look to your you know just turn your head sideways, you can look and see that there are billions of people wearing masks all the time. And they're not suffocating on their own CO2. Do you know what I mean? Like, that shit bothers me. However, I also agree that this YouTube censorship and Facebook censorship is, this is a scary trend. So I'm just curious, anyone who's spent any time in Asia, if you have any comment on that. I'll just start throw a quick comment out here. I mean, to me, this is where this whole conversation, by the way, I want to just say a quick transition to Alan, now that we're transitioning here. Um, I watched your documentaries, um, your three documentaries on hindsight 2020. They're excellent. I, I encourage everybody to go watch them. Super high production quality, super compelling. And I was thinking as you, as I was watching, you know, you're kind of doing a, a history of the popular internet, documentary and in it you talk about how loose change started as people um, trying to tell a story about someone who gets turned on to 9-11 and they end up making the movie that turns people on to 9-11 i think it's similar you know you're you're doing a documentary about documentaries and making a really high quality quality documentary that i think could you know i don't i don't know if it'll become viral like that but i think it surely should and, and has that quality. So just want to give you a shout out, but I, want, I wanted to say this, 2020 numerologically is uh, reduces to four, two plus two is four, and 2012 was the last year in that numerolo numerological sequence. What two, uh, sorry, yeah, two plus one is three. Okay, sorry, never mind. That's sorry. There, there's a year that, I, 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 let me just transition off that. So the mask issue, I'll come back to that. This is my thing on the mask issue and on, on the science with all of this stuff, Alan, is like it's so hard as a layman to go in and make these scientific claims and kind of compare things. Because, you know, my experience in Asia, I remember there was one time in my in my mall, they were, they were painting this really toxic paint. They were doing some kind of construction. and no, Not many people wearing a mask. I went down and got one. There wasn't many masks available. I picked I put one on. I was wearing one. Some of my other teachers that I worked with would wear one, but I was I was uh, I wasn't in a city with a whole lot of pollution. I think in those cities they wear them when they walk outside, and then they take them off in in the in the home. Um, some of I saw this guy, Doctor Butar, and he's claiming that it's not so much that the mask can harm you um, if you wear it in short stints, but it's like the the length that maybe people are supposed to be wearing them. I don't know. I'm sort of sympathetic to the idea because I have breathing issues with the mask. It kind of fogs up my glasses and definitely don't feel as like the, the air is as fresh. I'm not saying that causes a virus or anything like that. But I, I, you know, if I was doing that day in and day out, I'm not sure 
and I'd be open to seeing some studies trying to compare that. Um, but to just to throw oh, that out there. And if, if I may just quickly say, like, I'm about to go back to working if, if it's that I'm wearing a mask that entire time. I mean, I sometimes work, you know, 14-hour shifts where I'm running my ass off. And I, 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 again, I don't think we're going to be that busy to start. But that does that sounds excruciating to have a mask on and to be moving and i i definitely think that that will suck i i don't i don't i don't doubt that um yeah uh sorry i just i just want to like to sort of meet you there of like no i i totally get i get that how uncomfortable it is i just sort of want to um address how ubiquitous it is elsewhere um so your your point of like what did what did you see inside the schools what did you see on the streets of china and you said okay you weren't in a particularly uh, polluted area so you didn't see that as often yeah exactly it was uh, and the pollution in china joe and i were talking about this a couple of shows ago but uh it's gotten so much better in a lot of areas of china because they've exported the factories to like vietnam is now the worst air in the world and so, but I think in some of the major cities like Beijing and Shanghai, there's still a lot of mask wearing. Um, but even in the last five years, it's gotten a lot better. And there's water purif or air purifiers everywhere you go. There's big towers that are cleaning and purifying inside. Um, so I didn't see it that much. Um, definitely more than Austin, Texas. So there was there was always some people like, especially when I was walking, that would have a mask on if they were walking outside, you know. But um, I, I, you know, I think the meta point, Alan, is like this, this video became viral, this pandemic video. And one of the things I found so strange about it, it was like, I was using that search term the last month or two, like six weeks, cause I was wanted to get alternative perspective. So I would throw in pandemic into the search engines just to see who was talking about this from an alternative perspective. After this video came out. I would type that in and there's all there's all it's all doctor like a doctor answers the claims made in the pandemic video and there's a bunch of these like doctor youtubers now that are becoming famous breaking the video down and saying that's a lie these people are crazy you know and so it kind of took over that hashtag and i'm thinking that there might have that might have been i mean i don't i'm not saying it's an intentional agenda but it certainly was a way to wash out that kind of hashtag that was somewhat useful mm -hmm. um and I think also, like, just again, to reiterate the science claims, it's so hard and so murky with this stuff to know how to even begin to go into it, except this general principle you mentioned. It's like, let's have a marketplace of ideas and be able to talk about it without just shutting people down. That's just what seems odd to me. Like, just remove it and shut it down. It's the Streisand effect. That's the other thing. I mean, they've got to know this makes everybody want to watch it. Everybody's going to go to BitChute. I just sent a BitChute link into the chat. So it's this weird thing, like you want to censor it, but now you're going to make a viral phenomenon out of the fact that you just removed it. So that that's a strange part of it, too. Um, seems like if you want it to go away, you just ignore it. And it's curious because that was just what was I saw the same thing happen with David Icke, where David Icke was. I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't think. I think David Icke had lost a lot of his uh, sort of cultural cachet, if you know what I mean. Like he was. He was not as big a name as he once was. And then suddenly, 
his talks get banned, and I it's all all I saw for that the next you know two weeks was David Icke. So Guillaume, you're saying you think they do this on purpose? 